Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Suburbicon, directed by George Clooney and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. In 1950s America, a seemingly quiet suburb hides a dark side. It's not a plot. It's it's basically just you yeah, know, it doesn't really have a plot. Murder and intrigue and yeah, that um, sort of thing. The the plot on IMDb says something like a home invasion shatters a normally quiet suburb, but I didn't think that was quite the right uh, tone. It's kind of true. Well, no, that's not really true because yeah. the rest of the suburb barely reacts to the fact that this is ha- like it's the, got the sh- almost suburb no- gets shattered. But the fact that a black family moves in. Yes. Well, we'll get into all of that but later. We'll get that, but that's, Do we think that people should watch Suburbicon? Oh, hell no. 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 This is terrible. I mean, it perks up in the third act. I will give it that. Um, Oscar Isaac arrives about two-thirds of the way into the movie and gives us a brief moment respite. of respite. But, he also, but it also kind of kicks off an actual bit of plot. Yeah. Uh, but it's this is just – no. This is what uh, – uh, we're looking through the list of movies George Clooney has directed and it has in common with the last one of his that I didn't like, Monuments Men, and a bunch of others. It's just like it doesn't go anywhere for ages. Bob it, Balaban. That's who it was that I liked in that movie. Uh, in, uh, Couldn't remember Good night, now. good luck. Sorry. No, no, no. In, in Monuments Men, he was, he's the little guy with the glasses. Mm-hmm. He was funny. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, it was funny, but it was kind of like one of those movies where it was just like a few funny moments strung together in way too long and stupid apart. I think there's a problem with George Clooney's movies that he he's too light mm. and he keeps doing these dramas. And he, he lets he lets the actors get away work. with too much as well. Like he doesn't – I don't know. It, I think the movie lacks a lot – it lacks an overarching vision. Mm. Like it, it lacks a real good, clear sense of what it wants to achieve and where yeah. it's going. And tone and which is where, which is main li- which is why light, light is. touch means um is probably right because he hasn't sort of stamped enough of that a, a cohesive idea on it yeah and he's not really committed to doing like I think that's what's missing from Good Night and Good Luck Good Night and Good Luck was very clear in what it was trying to do it had this very clear political message mm. it wanted to get across that this these were the good times of news and it bang it did that right. Mm. And all of his other movies are like, I don't know, I just want to kind of hang out with my friends. I have sort of an idea. Let's just go mm. and do and it. And this one he feels also like he he has this really like ham-fisted political message as well. Oh, well, yeah. Like, let's- we know that – we'll get into spoilers in a bit more detail, but before we end the non-spoiler section, George Clooney, we know he is like – technically politically progressive but we also know that George Clooney is a very rich man who's lived in his own world for many many years so it's like you know rich 50 something man tries to be progressive when he creates a movie and is really kind of heavy-handed and ham-fisted about it I think there's other things working against that as well in terms of this particular movie Um, but yeah it doesn't nothing comes together it doesn't work the performances don't work it's just a mess and Mm. it's not fun to watch it's a cynical gross mess no, it, and the only reason I say the last third perks up is because it stops being so boring. Yeah. But anyway, we'll go into spoiler territory now. We don't recommend you watch this, but if you insist on watching it and you don't want to be uh, any further spoiled, um, come back after you've seen it. Okay. Um. So let's start by talking about the fact that if the black family hadn't moved into the neighborhood, none of this movie would have changed except those scenes. Mm-hmm. Nothing in this movie is affected by that whatsoever. No, it doesn't come Nothing. together. That whole the whole subplot, which you can tell, like Clooney's put that in there because he's like, "I'm so progressive. I'm going to show how like white suburban America wasn't very was pretty hostile to black folk." And then, like, it should 
come together. You know, we get set up with the relationship between the two little boys from the family. We also get set up that the they're black family has a safe place to hide. They literally live across the fence from one another. No, so they're literally wearing the same outfit. Oh, in yeah. that first scene, the little boys are wearing the same outfit in different colours. They even have their jeans turned up the same way. Mm. They're wearing the same clothes in different colours. Not quite. It the, um, could not be little more white obvious. boys. A shirt is like ribbed, but the other one isn't. Yes, but, yeah. but you know they're both striped um, and they're both yeah. like they look exactly the same. But they they also set up all this stuff like the snake, the friendship, and the yeah. fact that the the black family have a like a storm cellar. Yeah. that's a safe place for the kids kids to hide or the family to hide, and it doesn't tie it all together. Right, and uh, this uh. is why I think actually that it wasn't only put in there to be progressive. I think they changed it afterwards because there was something wrong with it. And they never put it back together. Mm. I think that that storyline was always in there because I think the fact that all everybody was distracted by the riot at the Myers house, the black family's yeah, house, yeah. and the fact that the major sort of culmination of everything in the other house happened at the same time was supposed to tie in. That's yeah, and it makes sense, right? But it doesn't it doesn't tie in in any way in and it's just not set up for it. See, I was wondering if maybe one of the black people were killed or something in the real denouement and then they went, "Oh no, we can't do that because of like Black Lives Matter and all that sort of stuff." And they had to change the ending and then they never put it back together. They and they never- also but what would have worked though is not that but the other way around have someone involved in the fa- the white family involved in the riots you know no but because you can't they all have to be in the house like they do, or but killing like, each other and tearing each other you, apart what you it actually doesn't... need is to set up someone that they know that we have there should be a white character that we know involved yeah, yeah. in those riots there should be yeah i think there's a lot of things that didn't yeah but they're, that they're doesn't work set, they're, they're just like this is going on in our neighborhood and we're white people so we're going to ignore it that's all that happens instead of like time... we actually see someone we recognize the only time we actually even see anybody who's not Nikki, the little boy from the main family, the judge judges, no, Lodge Lodges. The, da- the wow. dad's this Matt really had- character name is Gardner Lodge. This really had an effect on me. You can tell because I can't remember. <laughs> and they said that how many times, and I couldn't remember. Mm. But yeah, the Lodges. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say now. Uh, oh, they only the, anybody else from the lodges only interacts with the black family once, mm. and that's in the grocery store when Maggie's being like, I, I don't know what that scene is supposed to say that like I know white people just stand by or something. Yeah, but she I was, assume that's what's meant to it say. It was weird because she was she was the one the who one, encouraged him to play baseball in the first place. Yeah, and then her sister didn't like it, and as, I assume as part of turning into her sister, single white femaleing her sister, she then becomes that person. Oh, I didn't. That's what I figured. That. It's really hard to tell these things in this movie because a lot of it doesn't make sense. If they want you to know something, they hit you over the head with it. Mm. So this movie is just dripping with subtlety. Mm. Like it's all I mean, over there's it. No, there's no plot twist that you couldn't see coming a mile off. I have in capitals in my notes, everything is telegraphed. Like everything is telegraphed. Actually, it says every Tugung is telegraphed because I was a little overexcited. Yeah. Um, um, from the moment, like, Matt Damon comes in and says, you've got to get up there, men in the house. You're like, this is dodgy. He's set this up. And you yeah. walk downstairs and you see that that's the Julianne Moore house. You're like, oh, he's definitely sleeping with the non-disabled twin. He's supposed to be married to the yes, other one. Yeah. Like, you just, it takes about three seconds to figure out all of those plot twists. I know. But except for one. And this one really upset me. Oh. Oscar Isaac comes oh, in yeah. as the as this um, insurance assessor, assessor, and he's so good. Mm. 
instantly just lifts the movie. And I know I'm biased, but man, like the whole cinema, you could feel everybody just lift when he appeared. Absolutely. He brings in this completely different energy. Suddenly somebody's figuring them out. Suddenly you've got somebody on your side and everybody's much Mm. happier, right? And then he asks for a cut of the money, and then it doesn't even matter because they kill him immediately. They've already killed him at that point. She's already no, killed him. No, she hasn't. He he takes a sip of the coffee right after that. No, but he's already taken a sip of the coffee at that point, hasn't he? No. Because oh, he's I about he – no, I remember because I wrote in my notes, oh, no, we're going to get a whole scene of whether or not he's going to drink the coffee. But then they didn't even bother with that because they don't know how to do tension. So, because oh, um, yeah, he's yeah. about to sip it. Yeah. And then, and then Matt Damon says something and he puts it down. Yeah. And then they have that bit. And then he just drinks it anyway, which completely, like, destroys the tension of the scene Mm. and makes that whole – it makes it pointless that he asked for a cut of the money. It only means that none of the adults are good guys. Mm. Like – there's no reason. It well, we all, so what much- it also isn't clear is whether he's trying to fake him out as well. Like he could be asking for a cut and faking him out. He could be, but I don't think that. I but, think that it's just um, saying that all like, adults are terrible. Um, apart from the, you know, yeah, black but, parents who barely exist. But. Yeah. But you, the tension thing is such a problem mm. because the whole movie, like that, the bit at the start where, you know, the little boy is in bed and he gets woken up because the home is being invaded. That whole scene is like weird. Mm. It's off. And you know it's off because, like, you know, the aunt and the dad set it up. But also, like, it just feel it drops you into the movie and, like, you just feel off from the moment you start in the movie because you you have this, like, languid bit where he plays with the kid from next door and there's there's no no real, like, start to the movie. I I had a bigger problem because we don't see the main characters for a good ten minutes. Mm. There's this opening about Suburbicon and then we see the black family moving in and a bunch of complaints about that. We don't see our main characters for ages. Mm. Yeah, you just you're really thrown in, and it doesn't really take you anywhere. It, no, it just it literally doesn't go anywhere until Oscar Isaac turns up, and yeah. you just you kind of I mean you sort of see Matt Damon start to fall apart, and you as you see like the scene with the policeman and stuff in the police station. All that. Yeah, I couldn't stop laughing just because I kept picturing Hightower from Police Academy. I couldn't stop laughing. I, you know, the the two goons that actually do the tying up. Yeah, I kept picturing the villains from Home Alone. Yeah, and yeah. I was, I couldn't stop that it. That would have been great. No, but that's the thing is that, like, yeah, they're kind of almost comedic ar- archetypes, yeah. but not. This is the one of the problems with this. This doesn't. This movie doesn't know what it is, but it's no. seen a lot of other movies and it references them. Like it reference it uh, Home Alone. I'm pretty sure it was deliberate. There's also reference to um an earlier Matt Damon movie. Uh, the talent of Mr. Ripley when he mm. kills Oscar Isaac, which is like actually really good because it's written by Patricia Highsmith, who wrote like serious dark thrillers. But it wants to be a bit of a serious dark thriller and it goes seriously violent and seriously dark. But also it has like comedic relief Coen brothers type stuff and the Coen brothers are involved in this. I found, mm. found it at the end, but it doesn't gel because it doesn't the whole thing is not a coen brothers movie so it doesn't the quirky coen brothers stuff doesn't work because it's also got this super dark patricia heisman stuff here yes. and then you also get like the full-on high comedy yes of home alone yeah it no Where, what are you doing yeah it's so such a mess tonally and and like uh all of those scenes in offices every time one of them happened made me angry like actively angry and I'm not totally sure what it is, but I think it's just partly that it's a total kind of shift in tone, takes you out of the, like, the, um, um, claustrophobic mm. sense. It should have stayed in Nikki's perspective almost the whole movie. Mm. 
That's one of the biggest problems that is that it's really constantly good. pulling us out of the right perspective and just – so, like, who's the POV character for a lot of this? Who knows? It should have been Nicholas's Matt movie. Damon is the POV character for a lot of this movie. But he's not because we don't see him for such a long time and when he's introduced we don't see his face for ages. Mm. Spielberg style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, this movie's seen a lot of these movies. Other movies. Um, yep. This isn't like a movie that was made by aliens who saw a lot of movies made in the 80s about the 50s. Mm. And then went, this is sort of what the 50s looked like. It doesn't even look really like the 50s. Mm. It looks like a backlot version of what the 50s look like. It looks like the beginning of um, the TV show Weeds where they sing the song about little boxes on yeah. the hillside. looks like that. They also have this remote for the TV. Oh, yeah, that's like a little torch thing. It's like a, I was so distracted by that. <laughs> that I yeah, you were. I was like, oh, clearly that's the remote. But you were like, what is that? I that is so wacky. It was. Is it with? I mean, I don't know what 1950s TVs were like. I, I oh well, actually, we did have a 1950s TV in our house, but like we ours didn't have a remote, is and it didn't look like that. Because I don't I know if like, it's a real thing. Because I was like, maybe this is some sort of sci-fi movie <laughs> that would make it all make sense that this was like a recreation mm. of the 50s by aliens. Like, yeah, yeah. I would be more into that because I was there was some so kind of like Truman Show holodeck yes. sort of thing happening. That's what I was mm. thinking it was. I thought it was fake for a while. And Julianne Moore playing her own twin, that was also kind of weird. They weren't like, twins. They were just meant to be sisters. Jo- just, Rose was supposed to be older than Maggie. It just was not like it, it was just an unnecessary gimmick. Like it, that felt very Coen Brothersy. And also just yes. an unnecessary gimmick. But if, if it if the Cohen brothers had done it, it probably wouldn't feel like no. It, if the Cohen brothers feel like had done quirk. it, there'd be a reason, and yeah. it would be a it'd be like what's that Cohen brothers movie we saw where Tilda Swinton played her own twin? Oh, um, um, um Hail um, Caesar, uh, yeah, Hail yeah. Caesar. But yeah, um, no, that yeah, if it were a Cohen brothers movie, but it's but not. But the funny thing about that is they're so different, right? Mm. This is like they're the same person anyway. <laughs> they yeah. never seemed all that. And, Rose, and they make the whole effort of she single white females her and turns into her, you know, with the hair and becoming more racist also, and all that. But also, Rose, we never see Rose being a particularly good mother. We no, never see her being particularly We see her anything. being a terrible person and racist and, like, also angry and bitter at her life, which is understandable because she's been in a car accident and it's left her disabled and she also clearly knows that her she's si- been sister a- and her husband are sleeping together. And also Matt Damon was driving the car. Mm. The- <laughs> In the, uh, yeah, her husband crashed their car and left her disabled and then hooked up with her sister. Yes. Like, you can tell why she's bitter. I'm not not surprised at that. But no, also, but, but we also don't see – like, we only ever see Maggie mothering mm. um, the little guy, Nikki. Also, when they did the thing about Rose being – what was it? When Oscar Isaac comes in, there was a moment when I thought that Maggie might be Rose mm. and they just switched roles – like, I don't oh. know how, but I just had this moment of thinking that because I was like, maybe that would make the movie make more sense. I would have been it never it more interesting sense. at least. It just never makes sense. It doesn't. Even the way the characters, like, even the way that Oscar Isaac comes in and he's like so overt about what he's trying to do. But he isn't at first. That's why no, it's a fun scene. It is fun. And it, he is really good and he's definitely the best thing in the whole thing. But also, like, I don't think – he lives up to the promise of the first part of that scene. Like, he just ah, it annoys he me the way that have, plays if out. If he had been a guy who stayed smart, stayed mm. ahead of the game, you know, yeah. and stayed a good guy, yeah. it would have been – he would have been better. And if they'd had more of him. Oh, my he'd God. Been it was only season so little of it. And it would, he's just the best part of the whole but that's thing. The thing. Imagine if he'd been introduced earlier like that and mm. we see more of them unravelling – 
oh, collectively. It would, made, it would have made so and much more sense. He comes by a couple more times and is always ahead, like just yeah. stays. Ahead and I think of the they game. were trying to go there with the policeman, like the the who's happy little boy in the room, Hightower. And, yeah, <laughs> with they were they were trying to go there, but he just doesn't quite have the same. I don't know presence. The stuff that has to happen in order for the two bus driving moron oh. killers. To see Nikki in that room, first he had to sneak in. Then they had to t- accidentally turn the lights on in the other room. Like, it was just so convoluted. But also, you know, there's a bit where Oscar Isaac says, oh, coincidences, they almost never happen in insurance. But that is reliant on a series of coincidences. Yes. Or luck or things going in a certain way. But this movie is all coincidences. So you're like... But that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Um, well, that happens in the opera. As though, like, this is an opera because everybody dies at the end. Oh, God. And the St. Patrick's thing where the little boy next door gives Him a Nick snake. a snake. And St. Patrick is supposed to be the patron saint of their family. And St. Mm-hmm. Patrick drove all the snakes out of Ireland. And the snakes are the good guys oh, in this movie. Like I say, this is so unsubtle. This movie. Oh, so un- but that's the thing. It's so unsubtle, but then it sets up all these things that it doesn't pay off on. Yeah. And, yeah, everything is so telegraphed. Everything is so telegraphed. Like, they set things up in a scene before something with that happens, and you're immediately like, I know everything that's going to play out in the scene. That's why another reason mm-hmm. why Oscar Isaac coming in is so great, because he's surprising. Yeah. He pulls things in a different direction. He makes something happen. mm really should have stayed in Nick's perspective too. Like, God, there's so much in this movie that would make so much more sense if it just if you stuck saw it with from him. him. Yeah. Because it doesn't work as an ensemble movie. No. And the black family next door never get to do anything. No. Except be stoic. Mm-hmm. That's and all they do. Yep. Like, the mother gets to have no moments of personality. She just has you to don't, be stoic and saintly the and whole time. And you don't time. see the father until about two-thirds of the way in when the house is being attacked. That's not true either. We see him a lot earlier. We, he's just so not a character that it doesn't register. Right. We see him quite often. Um, he's just kind of in the background. We do see him mowing the lawns. That's true. Yeah. But I don't even know if he has a line. He – I don't I don't think he does. Yeah. Mother has a couple of lines. She has quite has a lines. few. It's often in her pers- – again, the movie shifts to her perspective yeah, yeah, quite which, often. Which, like, well, But then you could have made a good movie based on her perspective, though. I mean, oh, you yeah, wouldn't have seen the, the whole um, family next door murdering each other quite as the same, but you could have made a really good movie from her perspective. Well, also they could have made a really good movie if they had gone Nikki's perspective and her perspective mm. and, like, shifted between those two. Mm-hmm. Had it be their movie – and then drawn parallels between yeah. the two of them. That they're could constantly under this. Get into adult places where Nikki can't. So, yeah, that exactly. would make sense. Um, and both of them are harangued and, you know, like, and both of them are kind of powerless. And that was the thing that mm. I think affected me the most out of what was supposed to happen in this movie is that I really got the sense of how powerless children are mm. and how powerless this family was against everything that was happening. Yeah. Nikki has no recourse for anything, he's got no kind of ability to... And it's to only luck that saves him at the end, that his step uh, aunt was trying to kill him and left the poison sandwich at the table, but for that, his father would have killed him. Yeah, or he would have... Or he would have been forced to into into the cover-up. Yeah. But that it's like coincidence or luck that saves him there. I think the movie almost would have been fun if he hadn't been in it. Mm. <laughs> 
Like either it has to be all about him or have him not in it at all because you kind of then would have fun in watching Matt Damon and Maggie just fall apart. Mm. Like just, you know, at each other's throats and have all of those, everybody being mean to yeah, each well, other would have been fun if there wasn't and, a kid in the mix. And there, yeah, there's some good bits as well. Like they physically, Matt Damon kind of like, he breaks his glasses and his yeah. glasses get brought back together. Then he, then he, Very they never, he, and he never, like when he gets hit by blood or whatever, the, the whole rest of the movie happens from that point. Like there's mm. no break there. So he's just, you see him physically like deteriorate, getting yeah. more and more covered in blood and whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. It would have been fun if there wasn't a kid in the mix that, was definitely directly threatened by these idiots, mm. right? Like by their yeah. idiocy. Yeah, because you're just – at the end there, you're just like, this is really lucky this went this way. But it's also it's just really awful. Horrible. Like mm. that speech that Matt Damon gives him at the end of the movie about how he's going to kill his own son is horrific to watch. It is so awful to watch. And you're just like, why is this necessary? What makes this scene necessary? It's just mean. Mm. And we also, we don't need it because we know this man is evil. This man uh, was driving a car that led to his wife's disability and then when it got too hard to look after his disabled wife, he invited his sister-in-law in, started sleeping with her and then organised to kill his disabled wife. Like, he is evil. We know and that. And we just watched him kill Oscar Isaac, the only person we In a we really liked. evil way as well. We don't need any more proof that he's evil. He doesn't need to tell us that he's evil. We can see that. But also he's more interesting as a person who doesn't think he's bad but keeps making mm. bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't think he's a bad parent but what he's doing is bad parenting. Yeah, if and he, he doesn't think he's a bad husband, but he's a fucking terrible one. Yes. If he gives a speech to his son about how he's going to kill him, he's pretty much past that point. Yeah, that's right. So he's not an interesting character anymore. No, even. and we spend a fair bit of the movie following him around, watching it from his perspective. So Exactly. We watch him like, stress out and fall apart. So, so to, if for a bit there, you actually think he's going to be the main character. <sighs> the protagonist. There is no mm, protagonist. There's no, no protagonist. Nikki doesn't have any effect on anything that happens in this movie so he's not the protagonist he's just there and at the end of the movie we get no resolution no, no he just walks outside and starts playing baseball with the kids next door you're like okay where and like there's still two, four bodies in that house he right? has no family left right and the thing is the resolution was there and staring him in the face the whole time the resolution is go the, live with the, the dodgy uncle and the black family are the safest place for you to be yeah right so some combination of that you know the dodgy uncle who dies saving him that's quite that sweet was, that was good i liked uh, that, that that worked right right but now the next bit is he and the community around them need to come to the decision, the realisation that the safest place for this kid to go is to his black neighbours, right? And the community needs to come to that decision as part of their, like, realising that they were complete racist assholes. Yeah, which you can and see you need to have that journey. You can see as part of their journey because they, you see them cleaning up the – helping clean up the yard. You see white mm -hmm. people helping the Myers clean up their yard. Right. And so you need to follow that journey around where – that the bodies are discovered, they find out what happened, they realise that this kid is good friends with this kid and that the family is, you know, he doesn't have to move very far or change schools or anything, so it makes a lot of sense for him to be raised by them. Or, yeah. And then at that point you've got a catharsis in the community of we're helping them clean up, we're also, a, you know, a white child is being raised by a black family. This yeah. is fine and you you need to have that closure. You close the, 
story. And yeah. also it loops the stories back in together. Yes, exactly. In a proper that, way. Uh, well, that's what I thought was going to happen. Yes, me too. I also thought that maybe Andy would go over to Nikki's house and help him escape or mm-hmm. save him or something. And that something didn't happen else either. Something else would happen. Like nothing else mm. happened. It was so – the f- ending of this movie is so disappointing. We don't even see Matt Damon die. No. We don't even – just at one point he's talking to his kid, the next morning he's dead. No. Like, so, so how long did that did it take for him to die? Because during the eating of the sandwich and stuff, he has given this speech about how he's going to kill this kid. So when does he die? Like obviously he's sick enough at that point that he never gets up from the seat again. But you need to see that because you need to see the kid realise that it's – like the kid knows it's going to be over because the kid knows the sandwich is poisoned. But no, he doesn't. to see the kid – I mean he assumes the sandwich is poisoned – because but he doesn't know that. Julianne Moore was thing. trying to come up the stairs and make him eat it. Well, yeah, but she could have also been trying to lure him out of the room to kill and him. And he knows that she's po- just poisoned their guest, the, the, the Oscar Isaac. So I, he doesn't know that either. He doesn't see that. He hears that. He hears the whole thing go on. Oh, I don't remember that. Okay. Um, so he's up in his room listening to all that go on. Just, what did you put in it? Just lie. Yeah, Sorry, that was a funny line. Um, yes, it was, and we knew that was going to happen because we see her using lie earlier in Bef- the movie, just before he just arrives. It's like God. Um, but see, this is the thing: if they had gone like high camp, it would have been funny, mm-hmm. like that moment. But if that moment had been the whole movie, but the movie has this high camp sensibility, but it's got this like it's not gone all the way there. Mm. You know what it reminded me of. Um, is Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. Right? Like with all the the way that people were acting and things like that. And I was like, wow, that movie is so much better <laughs> and deals with all this stuff. And it's, a again, a fantasy movie. And I think that's why it's just this heightened – it's so heightened that it feels unreal. Um, and yet none of it seems quite right. Like the shoes aren't period, like you said. No, I they was are like, period. Oh, are they? As are the bras. You were wrong. Those bras are very it period. It look right. No, 1950s bras are super pointy. No, like, no, no, because there's one where she's not pointy at all. It's a secretary uh, or something and she's just I didn't just see that. But all the others are really pointy. But no, those that's what I said to you. I said those shoes are period accurate because oh. he they wouldn't have had like cleats or whatever in those days. He's wearing like Dunlop volleys, which are whatever the, the equivalent of that is in America. I would have like, they would have Super cleats. basic canvas shoes. It's 1959. They don't have cleats. I don't know. It, I don't know the history of shoes. You just had really basic sneakers at that point. Okay. If you because um, the secretary didn't have one of the pointy bras. She had like a... Yeah, anyway, mm. the secretary the secretary characters made me mad. Uh-huh. It was so dumb and it annoyed me. But anyway, yeah. I, it just didn't feel like it was accurate. No. It didn't feel like a period accurate movie, even if everything was. No. Right? Like it didn't – it just didn't sit right, any of it. No. It was like George Clooney wanted to recreate his own childhood, which – he did, wasn't born until the 60s. So he wants to recreate like a, I don't know, he's, he's got, he definitely seems to have an interest in this Americana stuff. Like he does keep revisiting it. But I think that he, with this, I think what he was trying to do was show like the MAGA people that America was never great. Mm. That's, I think, what the purpose of the when movie is. When she says is. MAGA people, she means make America great again, right? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. You, I said MAGA people and I was like, are they some kind of like fantasy creatures from the underworld? I mean, yes, but also He took wants me a to show the Make America Great Again people that America was never great. Hmm. I can see that in this movie. Right. I can I, see where yeah. that where that desire is. But this is not like, – But what they ended up making was so mean and cynical and gross that you're like, yeah, but where's the hope 
What what are people supposed to do now? Yeah, it's not going to... Do you want all the white people in the country to kill each other? Because, okay, but, like... Yeah, and, and, and in fact, like, a hideous, horrible crime committed by white people gets overlooked because yeah. there's a black family in the neighbourhood. Like, what is the message of this movie? And But it also kind of, it, like I said at the beginning, it's like this token liberal rich guy effort at making an interesting movie that really it's there's no interrogation of that it's really you know heavy-handed ham-fisted oh it, there's no, no freaking kidding there's if it were a good story if the story worked well there but then there have been other movies that did this so much better yeah look, looking back at the 50s and realizing that the 50s weren't all that great Yes. So there's been so many movies that look back at like the American well, suburbs, like Edward Scissorhands. Look at like American suburbia and look mm. at the the life underneath that. Yeah. Like, and TV shows and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah it's been done to death. And, and this movie better, adds nothing. So much better than this, because you're gonna get a <laughs> MAGA people to go and watch this. No, of course not. They're not well, even gonna turn up. But I think they might with Matt Damon on the poster. It's plausible and Clooney as well, but like, but also they probably would see the Clooney, Matt Damon, and Julianne Moore as quote unquote liberals, you know, Hollywood oh, yeah. liberal types, Hollywood leftists. Um, no, but they still but, go to the movies. I know, but it's they you, still watch a lot of movies right, by liberal Hollywood leftists. They do, but they tend to watch movies that have like great plots. And are engaging, and they have really good word of mouth, and and got advertised before they came out. Which yeah, this, this well, did this not. movie, it, there was. I remember hearing about it when it was being made. I think, or seeing some pictures. Then nothing for months because it was. I think early on, it screened at some festivals, and people realized it was a turkey. And yeah. then, then they kind of tried to distance themselves from it. This is how little publicity this movie got. I'm obsessed with Oscar Isaac. I know all the movies he's going to be in before they come out. I knew about The Promise how long before we were going to see that. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's coming out next month. We have to go see it. I didn't even know, didn't remember that this movie was coming out at all. And The Promise like, is like a privately funded movie about the Armenian genocide made on a budget of like $3. Yes. This is a big George Clooney, Matt Damon co-production kind of thing. Like yeah. Coen Brothers. You would think we would have heard about it, but somebody had to tell you a week before it came out that there was a new Oscar Isaac movie coming out. That's right. And I was like, oh, that's right. He was in another movie this year. And we only watched it because there's not much on this weekend and it was this or Brigsby Bear or Bad Mums 2 and none of those. And honestly, I was like, eh, whatever. I was like, yeah, I'll go see any of those. I don't care. I didn't even, wasn't even swayed. And we were literally swayed by the Oscar Isaac bit, but then I should have known he was only going to be in two scenes. I was so disappointed. That's a, such a tease. I think it's the only, yeah. the only thing I hate more than a this hug tease. This is like tease. the third credited as well, the fourth credited person after uh, the little boy. No, he isn't. He's right at the end of the credits. Oh, the, is he? Yeah, remember? Because right. it said and Oscar Isaac, like he was featured. Yeah, right. I think no, but like, like in some a of the cameo thing, right? But in the um, in like the material for the oh, film, he was third see, bill. Yeah, it was third. Matt Damon, Julianne Moore, Oscar Isaac. Yes. like it was an Oscar Isaac movie. Yes, because the, but that's also partly because Oscar Isaac's star has risen so much since they made this, though. Mm. Since they put this together, yeah, like yeah. he he's taken off. I, I think that's the thing. It Oscar Isaac really has only come to come to you know international acclaim since Star Wars. Mm. And now everybody's like, "Wow, he's terrific!" But most of the stuff that he's be that he is currently in was stuff that he booked before Star Wars. Mm -mm. So I think we're going to see more good stuff from him, mm. like next year and the year after. Yeah, he's, stuff he's third build on IMDb as well. Yeah. Um, 
That kid, by the way, is actually really good. Oh, um, yeah. He does fine. It's not his fault. Yeah. <laughs> he does his best. It's just, mm. you know. Yeah. Like, I, I actually sort of noticed that he was good. He was in, um, oh, he's the little kid Tom Hiddleston saves in The Night Manager. Right. He plays. Um, is he British? I don't know. He plays um, Hugh Laurie's son, though. So If he is British, he's doing pretty good accent work in this movie. Mm. I actually think he might be British, given that he's also in Downton Abbey. What does it tell you? Dreadful. What does it tell you about like TV and movies and stuff and Americans? Yep, English that child English actors have better accents than their ad- adult counterparts hmm. who are American trying to do other accents. <laughs> oh, it tell, well, I mean, it, it, it tells it's, you it's, what the rest of the world grows up with, yes. which is American stuff. So we can do that because we're used to it. We hear it from when we're very, very small every day. Yeah, so whereas America is American insulated and hear other Americans speak almost exclusively until yeah. they get to like be old enough to watch British prestige television. Yeah, it's just I just thought that mm. was it's funny because you watch like Millie Bobby Brown on Stranger Things, yep. and there was somebody else recently where I was like, that kid was British, and well, she, they were tiny. She's not the only British kid on Stranger Things either. Oh, but the other the, one's older, the creepy older. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's an adult though. Yeah, and Gary Rice. Yep, Australian, not British, but yes. But, yeah. Yep. Doing American accents is really what I was mm-hmm. thinking of. But, yeah, um, yeah, there's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there was something recently where I was like, that's like a six- or seven-year-old kid doing an American accent. That's amazing. Um, flawlessly. But, yeah, I don't know what else we can say. Yeah, it's all right. We've more than done enough time Dude, on this film. I just really didn't like it. No. I it- didn't like the iconography. I didn't like the – there's also this weird thing it's that I didn't notice. bad. That, like, sometimes – the camera would stay with Nikki and be from his perspective, but only occasionally, and it doesn't work. Mm. You know, like... Well, you either have to commit to that or you don't commit to that. Yes. So if that whole scene between um, Oscar Isaac and Julianne Moore, when Oscar Isaac comes to the door, had, like, if it had started from Nikki up on the stairs watching Mm. and then cut back to him sometimes, the whole thing would have been more effective. No, no, no. I think it's good that it's not revealed until halfway through that Nikki is upstairs watching, because because that scene, uh, because that scene really lifts the movie. Obviously, as I've discussed, but it lifts the movie because it also kind of follows those two actors around. They are like they kind of it's almost like they're doing a play, a mm. two hander, just a little play of the two of them, and they it actually kind of the camera actually really properly moves in that scene around the two yeah. of them, switches between their b- different perspectives. You get both of their faces. Um, as they're trying to, you know, they're both both trying to hide something from the other and then get something out of the other. And then I think actually swinging through halfway and realising that the kid is watching all of this actually makes plot-wise makes more sense. Okay. But I do see what you mean in terms of then they actually switch to that perspective and it's a bit… It, it's it, jarring. That's it, the problem. It's flat, it flattens the whole thing out because mm. the scene was so well done of moving between the two of them in the two-hander. Mm. And that's the problem is that we don't… And we don't know where Nikki is a lot of the time. Mm. So you're like, oh, where's the kid right now a lot of the time? Because he's mm, you really the linchpin. And also, except he doesn't do anything. He never even – oh, he tells his uncle and his uncle comes, but then he just dies saving him. And he, he never, sets up his room so that he has the block thing on the door. But then even when, like, the guy comes, he chooses to hide under the bed instead of climb out the window and go yeah. to his friend. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make I've been any probably been watching too much Stranger sense. Things, but there's also like you would think that he and the other kid might have set up some kind of signal between each yeah. other, you know, like codes, Cause we saw semaphores them or talking to each walkie other. talkies or they're talking through the window kind of thing. Yeah, the, the tin cans. Yeah. Um so you, why not 
have that come back? Why set all that up? It, they definitely meant to do something with all that. Yeah, so at that point, he should be getting on the little tin can phone to his friends. friends like, well, shit's going down out the front here, but come get in the storm cellar. Yeah, like, let's all go to the storm cellar together. Why wouldn't you do that? Also, yeah, when also when like the uncle puts him in the cupboard, I was like, oh, he's definitely dying. Yeah. The way that he talks, I was like, he's definitely dying. Yeah, yeah. So well, there's you, no I, hope. No. There's never any bloody hope in this Which, movie. Which, like, yeah, you sort of, if the uncle's only injured, that gives hope, right? Anyway. Yeah, it does. And then he picks up the bloody phone that's been cut. And mm. you're like, but we already know, there's no kind of, like, you don't tension. have that big build of tension and then have the rug mm-hmm. pulled out from under you because we've seen the rug get pulled earlier. Mm. <laughs> like, we already know where the rug is. Yeah. So you can't pull it out from under us if we already know where it is. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't. Which, by the Ever. way, is one of the re- another reason about Nikki being upstairs while Oscar Isaac comes into the house. There's, there is there is actual real tension there once you yeah. see that the kid is there. So then you're Except like, oh, the- shit. And he could be seen and then he does get seen and then you're like, oh, shit, But real. they never do anything with it. They never do anything with it. They never go anywhere with that because that night is when everything goes down. Well, uh, but that is the point at which the aunt sees him there and knows he knows and therefore knows that she has to do something about him. Because uh, yeah, after I've- that is when she starts to – Put the headache pills in the peanut uh, butter sandwich and stuff. I've clearly forgotten. No, that's all right. We are, this movie that we saw two something hours ago. <laughs> when she crushes up those pills and puts them in, I'm like, you could not make that more. Like, it's she just puts them in there. That must have tasted awful as well because it was like peanut butter and jam sandwich. Yes. And she just sprinkles them on the peanut butter like in a clump. And I, it's headache pills, I guess. I and milk in the you milk. Don't, I didn't see it quick enough to see what the exact drug was, but I assume it was like headache pills or – some kind of um, benzodiazepine, right? Like a an overdose of benzos probably being the 1950s and her being a housewife. But the, they must taste different. The yeah. milk maybe, but the, also, the sandwich must taste gritty. Yes, be texturally different. And so if and I, the dad if doesn't I even bite notice. into a peanut butter and jam sandwich that tastes gritty, I'm going to stop eating it yes. because, ew, what is wrong with this sandwich? I'm going to go make myself another sandwich. And I don't know if – Maybe the milk, but the milk would have tasted off as well because what it, pills are disgusting. Hasn't anybody ever done that thing where you have to cut a pill in half and then take half of it and a bit of the powder it's goes onto your tongue? Or um, I've got some panadine at the moment uh, that does, isn't, doesn't have a coating on the capsule mm. and ugh, gross. Oh, I don't – yeah, I just swallowed it. But, yeah, it I know that icks me out. Like it get a little bit stays on your tongue and it icks me. I'm not really good at taking um, medicine Right. But yeah, no, you would definitely notice and taste it. There's yeah. no way. It's just frustrating. It's so d- – and then, like, Oscar Isaac has the tiniest sip of coffee and starts – And he's like <laughs> – Although, I mean, I don't know. Like he's- been, that's the thing. That's why I don't know what it was. I feel like it might have been headache pills. But no, 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 because he- it's lye in the coffee. Lye in the coffee, but what were the pills? I don't know. So, they're different poisons, right? Yeah. So, lye is known to be – but the thing is, lye isn't that – Toxic after that small amount because the traditional way to make bagels is to boil them in lye. And, like, you, you boil yes, them in such a that's way. That's the point that I was going to make about the Oscar Isaac thing. He yeah. drinks the tiniest ever amount of lye and, then, and starts acting like he's in a, like, tiny suburban play dying on stage as Hamlet or something. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm dying. My time has come. And it, and it does. I mean, to be fair, really what kills him is Matt Damon with the poker in the street. So, but Yeah, but that's the thing. He just um, immediately starts, starts, like. Yeah, like drinking all the alcohol, trying to stop the burning in his throat. Yeah. I mean, I understand there would be burning with lye. That's why she has to wear the gloves in the sink when she's yes. in the sink. And we don't use it anymore. But also, like, 
It's the tiniest sip ever. But if it was, but headache pills or diazepam, both of them, well, benzos, not just diazepam, but benzos or headache pills, like headache pills like Panadol will kill you because it um, causes your liver to go into toxicity, but, but benzos will kill you by just like putting you to sleep. So I think it was benzos, but yeah, they act too. in different ways to I lie. Thought, anyway, would... lie would taste awful. He's not wrong on that. Yes. But I would have Burn thought your the throat. Matt Damon thing as well. Um, I would have thought he'd be like starting to get sleepy during his speech, yeah, yeah, or and then slur. be like, "Will," and then at the end of it, be like, "We have lots of time. I'll just talk to you about it after I wake up." Bang on the table, he's asleep. Yeah, right. His That's eyes all were open. Needed. His eyes were open when he was dead. Yeah. Why? That doesn't that make doesn't any sense. Make sense with the type of poisoning that was happening. Doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any fucking sense in this no. movie oh my god <laughs> anyway don't see suburbicon no god um, should we do star ratings one star i was gonna give it one and a half cool. i really like oscar isaac man one that my one star is for oscar isaac and for that last act which kind of well, no, because there were yeah there were jokes in it that i liked and i was like this could be really good because i saw what they were trying to do and yeah. where the funny, like where the thing worked. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so disappointing is because yeah. it didn't do those things. But like, yeah, I could see where the movie could have worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. That's all right. Um, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find old episodes or tickets to our live screening of The Last Jedi, you can do that on our website, Silver Screen Queens. Dot com. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com slash silverscreenqueens on Facebook, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.